Hi, my name is Marcielo. Um, I'm, I live in Amherst, or Hadley, kind of on the border. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my family's from the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Haiti, and Germany. Hi, my name is Lidel. I live in Amherst, but I was born in Celebration, Florida, and my family's from Puerto Rico. Hi, my name is Jaden. I live in Amherst. Uh, I was born in Celebration, Florida, and my family's from Puerto Rico. Sup, my name is Miguel, and I was born in Massachusetts, and my family's from both. Hello, my name is Ivan, and I was born in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and my family's from Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. This is our group of youth, part of the Black Lives Matter at School, an activity that is happening on February 9th at the Mercado, and part of the idea and collaboration between the Polo Ferris Social Justice Charter School and Holy Public Schools, the Ethnic Studies class that is bringing together youth to talk about Black Lives Matter. We decided to come to our studio here in the Gandara Youth Development Center to listen the voices of our youth. Tell us a little bit what has happened during this morning while we had a keynote and two presentations by Palante Restorative Justice Program and also the Ethnic Studies class in Holyoke High School. What is that you remember from this morning that stuck up with you? Well, we're talking about kind of like a support center and how like before it got transformed, it used to be bland and now it's like all colorful and the teachers actually give you support. And we actually had an activity talking about what was our experience about like support centers and stuff like that. And we talked about in Amherst, we had a thing called the QLC, which was called the, I think it's the Quiet Learning Center, where it's kind of bland, like kind of like food with no seasoning in a kind of way. And we're talking about how maybe it could use like more color and like more support instead of just sitting there. And like, yeah. Um, so another thing that I learned during the keynote is that Whitney Baptiste explained how no human can be illegal in real life unless like you're an alien because every human's legal unless like there's only supposed to be a certain amount of us. So that was just one thing I took away from the keynote. She also mentioned about how they're not illegal they're just undocumented. There's a difference between not having papers. And she also said how we're not aliens. And when you think about aliens, you think of someone who's green with like a big head. And none of us are like that. And America was created w through uh, immigrants, so. Yeah, adding on what she said, like, honestly, like, you can't be illegal as a person. You're just undocumented. And like, it's like really disrespectful to be calling people aliens or illegal. So yeah. You're making references about the keynote and also about the presentation by Palante. Now, listen a little bit more about what you have to say from your own personal experiences. What made you wanting to be here today? What are your concerns or what are the things that you see happening in schools, happening in communities 
that you feel something needs to be done? Okay, so reason I'm here is because my mom is the climate and culture person at Amherst Middle School, which means like trying to create more school spirit and how we can make it like a better place. And so me, Jaylee, and Jaden were all in student council. And um, I'm the vice president, Jaylee's the president, he's the secretary, Jaden's the secretary. But my mom brought us here because a uh, student council hasn't really been doing a lot. So she thought it was a great place to be like leaders and like practice our leadership. Yeah, adding on to what he said, like adding on the leadership and putting on the experience so that when we get back to school and get back to student council, it would be like, not like nothing, but it would be super easy to go in front of people and tell them about Black Lives Matter and all the stuff that's happening with, with Latinos and colored people. And yeah, we could practice our leadership here and that's, yeah, why we're here. Um, Maricielo's mom actually uh, asked us if we wanted to come. And of course we said yes and took the opportunity to come because this is a way for us to work on our leadership skills as representatives of the school, as vice president, president, and secretary. Also, I like to be involved in these stuff to help make a change and to actually know what's going on and how to help and actually make people aware of what's going on and how to change it. Also, I love to learn new things and incorporate them in what I do in my everyday life. But Marcelo's mom is uh, um, teaching us about social justice and like, I want to come here to learn about Black Lives Matter, BLM and all that. And I want to come to a reality that everybody can be equal. I'm thinking about origins. You being here today, being part of a community, being part of society, the place that you live, which is just a few minutes from the city of Holyoke. So I will, I will consider it part of the same, the same community. Particularly because we all share many things in common, being people of color, being Latinos, being oppressed by the systemic, the systemic everything in our lives, in school, in society, in the community, in government. So what are the things that you feel are wrong that you see happening every day? What I see wrong is like, just everything, things like racism, bullying and for example like I think it was like the school to prison pipeline where for colored people or Latinos that once they get uh, kicked out of school or like expelled or suspended they have like three times the chance of getting arrested after and also colored people and Latinos they also have harsher punishments for the same things that I would say like white people do. So we would get like the worst punishments for the same things. So I think it's very unfair that this happened. This hasn't happened to me personally, but I've read like books and like articles and seen videos of like school police bullying certain black students just because like they're doing good in school and they don't want that. Like I'm reading a book right now called On the Come Up and it's by Angie Thomas, the same person who wrote the Hate You Give, one of my favorite authors. 
but it's about, it's like a realistic fiction, but it's about this girl who wants to become a rapper. I'ma just jump to the point. So she's selling candy in school to like help her family like get a couple more bucks and stuff. But um, one day, like one of the security guards at the front like asks her to like open her bag so we can see what's inside. But according to like the story that's never happened before. So she was like, no, this is my bag. You see me with it every day, there's nothing wrong. But like apparently they abused her and like threw her to the ground and like beat her up and stuff. But like she's getting her justice. I haven't finished, but I think that's just one example of like how police or security guards like abuse their power. So, also talking about racism and stuff like that. Um, this actually happened to my friend, where my friend was inviting her best friend to her house. I don't think they're friends anymore, but actually, she she actually asked her friend, or the friend asked her, "Oh, is your dad gonna try to offer me drugs, or try to put me in a gang, and stuff like that?" So that hurt me, cause. Her saying that to a Latino makes me feel bad because I'm Latino myself. And that just like struck, like, is that actually the stereotype that you have for us? Like, I know there shouldn't be stereotypes at all, but is that like the first thing you think for us? Like, like drug dealers and gang violence and all that? Like, that really hurts to hear that. Um, what I think is really wrong about is, recently we've been learning about slavery and stuff and our history classes and some of the comments that come with what the white kids say is kind of, they're kind of in denial, like, oh, slavery doesn't happen anymore. Oh, that was in the past. Oh, I didn't do that. Like, all those things, like, it still happens today. It just happens in different forms. Slavery still happens, but just in a different form. Even though you haven't enslaved us, you personally, your ancestors have. And you saying those comments and you're not doing anything about this, like changing, you're just adding on to like it more, which I feel like is wrong. Also, like our president doesn't help because he says things that shouldn't be said, especially on Latinos and people of color and Muslims and everything in general. He says things that shouldn't have to be said. So... Whatever he says, people are taking away as, oh, I can say it too. So having a person who's supposed to be a leader actually look down on the people of our country, of the country he's supposed to be running, makes it even harder. I was thinking about our president and how he claims he's going to build the wall. And what about all the people that are trying to get to safety, trying to, like, escape all the bad things, like what's gonna happen to them. I know all the stuff, all the stuff that's happening at the border, but you don't have to build like a big wall for that reason. I'm really still processing what what you say uh, about the stereotypes and how this comment affected you. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I've had a friend before, I'm not gonna say her name, but she came up to me and she, said about my mom's friend was with me at a basketball game and she was like your mom's friend looks like a drug dealer and it kind of like hurt me because me and him were like family and 
I'm Puerto Rican just like him. And so that makes me think about how do people see me as every day in school? Like, do they just see me as La Chica? Like, that girl who's just a Puerto Rican, doesn't know anything, who's just there to be a loquita, like, it really gets me thinking. And that goes exactly on the on the direction of my next question, which it could be a little bit uncomfortable. So if you don't feel like wanting to talk about it, that's completely okay. The stereotypes are, like you were saying in your examples, about how people see people of color and immediately they associate their misconceptions or their prejudices on those folks. But at the same time, that level of ignorance keeps them from actually seeing the reality of folks that are also people of color, Latinos, that belong to a different culture, to a different country, from a different origin, yet they look similar to them somehow. In your case, that could be the possibility. Have you ever heard the comment, oh, but you don't look Puerto Rican? Um, yeah, so a lot of people have said it. I have a friend who's like really close to me and she's like Blanquita, like Blanquita, Blanquita, but she's Puerto Rican, just like me. And they often associate me with her and they'll be like, but Ojai, why don't you look like Jaylee? Jaylee looks Puerto Rican, you don't. And I'm like, what am I, like, what is she supposed to look like? Like, I mean, so that, because in Puerto Rico, like all of us are from different origins. We're from Europe, Africa, we have, the indigenous Tainos were all made up out of different stuff. So for them to just say those comments like that, it's kind of disturbing because we all come from somewhere and we're all a mixture of something, so. Also adding on to that, I'm Puerto Rican as well. I might not be the tannest of them, but I'm still Puerto Rican. Like I've been called names like Casper, or gringo and stuff like that, which makes me feel like, am I like it makes me doubt myself. Like, really, is that how you feel about me? And it gets me all sad, like saying, oh, you don't believe me. Like, you don't believe that I'm Puerto Rican, and it, like just makes you feel like you're trying to disconnect me from my own ethnicity or race. Most people don't think I'm Puerto Rican because most Puerto Ricans are like lighter than I am. Most people think I'm like Dominican, like full-on Dominican, or like African-American, like a light skin. So my mom always told me that like our family comes from like Tainos and stuff. They were like darker with like dark black hair. Like most of my great-grandma, my grandmother ancestors have mainly been Puerto Rican, but like the grandfathers have mainly been Dominican. So like, I have a dash of like Puerto Rican and like 50-50, like Puerto Rican and Dominican. So that's why I look darker, but like my hair is lighter and stuff. So it's just one example. I love hearing the way that you perceive yourselves, being so aware of it and feeling proud of that as well. Because that is the first thing and the most important thing to do, to feel proud of who you are and where you come from. And at the same time, that brings up a conversation that 
many adults need to learn how to engage on, and that is when we talk about people of color or when we refer to African-American people or when, when, when we refer to Latino people, there is no specific palette of color for each group because there are black Caribbean people, there's Afro-Latino people, and there is Latino people who have the look of Caucasian, European folks. And that doesn't take away, like you were saying, Jaden, does, doesn't take away any single atom of your being and your identity as Latino. Yet, it's apparently for many grown-ups, the way you look, what determines what you are. And I'm saying that what you are because that is what their ignorance gets them to think, not even who you are. What would you say to this people who decide by choice to be ignorant about how their actions and their prejudices and their misconceptions make you feel? Like just assume what you are? Exactly. Okay, so I was going to say that like you can't just assume what I am because like you're not me, so you don't know who I am because like they come from, I know where I come from, you don't know where I come from, therefore you can't, you aren't able to judge me on who I am and who I'm supposed to be, so. Adding on to he said, you can't just assume who I am, like you're not me, and like you gotta treat people how you wanna be treated. Like you're, you don't want anybody assuming what you are or like making fun of you like, oh, um, aren't you African-American, you're such a light skin or you're Latino and you're so white, you couldn't go or something like that, or anything like that, yeah. Um, what I would say to them is, one, they have a lot of learning to do, a lot of growing up to do, a lot of maturity. Mm-hmm. They don't have maturity, they need maturity. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> and I would also tell them to actually study and how about consider how I feel. And how about instead of saying all these things, how about you actually learn and if you have any questions, like, look it up, talk to me, something. Just don't be ignorant about it. And if you're ignorant, that's not going to take you anywhere. I'm Zulir. I was born in Springfield, raised in Holyoke. My mom's side is German. My dad's side is Puerto Rican and Indian, I guess. And um, I just want to conclude this. What we were talking about right now, at least this little session of it, um, by God made us the same way. Even if you don't believe in God, um, the universe in your perspective made us the same way. So um, how can we judge ourselves by the outside instead of by the insides in our hearts and what people think about us in our minds instead of um, what we have on the inside, our love for each other instead of the hate? First of all, um, thank you for saying that. And also, like God created us our own way. like. He knows what we are, and we will know what we are ourselves. So I don't want anybody to judge each other based on what they look, um, how they act, or just them themselves as a whole. Um, so what I wanted to say, just to be like nerd in the room, um, <laughs> the brain, there's no such thing as color, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like the brain just perceives it that way. It's like a famous quote that comes from like, 
I don't know, like a whole bunch of people say beauty is in the mind of the beholder or something. Yeah, that's kind of true. So like the only thing that really separates us is like language, because color doesn't really count. So there's no such thing as race unless you believe in it. And then like, but like what the language you speak, I mean, people can learn different languages and like become someone else, so. Yeah, me, I think God made us all equal and it should stay that way. Everybody should be treated fairly and everybody should be equal. There is no race because we all belong to the human race. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, for that for that thought. And just to have this set of conversation completed with one more topic that is part of this session that is happening uh, on the Black Lives Matter at school. And it's talking about the ethnic studies class. I would like to know from you if you're having an ethnic studies class yourselves in your in your school system, and what is that you saw from from the presentation that uh, the students from Holy Public Schools did about ethnic studies, what do you think this is important to have in the schools in the whole country? I think it's important to have in schools because we need to learn what happened in the past. We need to learn how it's affecting us in the future, how it continues to affect us, and People need to see that it's still going on, and people need to know how to change it. And we all just need to come together. It's been going on for so many years, centuries, generations, and it's a very important class because not very many people are educated, like they're educated on the fact, but they don't want to accept it. As in, white people don't want to accept the fact that they can't say a specific word or else they're gonna get in trouble. Like, even they listen to our music and they wanna say the word, yet they don't want to admit to what their ancestors did, did and they don't wanna admit to what they're still doing. And on top of that, they wanna use our music but still treat us different. They don't wanna feel what we feel. They don't wanna go through what we go through, but yet they wanna say the word, listen to our music, and steal our culture. Uh, so the people that are listening to this podcast, I don't know if you guys know Blackish, but I was watch oh, I watching Blackish yesterday, and it was actually right on this topic about the N word, which uh, I knew you were want you wanted to say that. So like, the episode was like about white people uh, have been using it for like the past two hundred years, and like Dre, which is like the dad. He wanted to say that, like, you guys got to use it for a long time. Why can't it be our turn? And, like, people's defense was, like, because it's our language. Like, we created the word and stuff, which I don't know if that's true or not. But still, like, I wouldn't, like, use the word. And for our music, I don't think it's ours unless, like, you made it yourself because... They don't want to steal our culture, but, like, they want to be a part of it. They just don't know how to do it, like, the correct way. Because most people don't want to offend anyone or, like, have any hurt feelings. But, um, yeah, so, like, I don't think it's really our music, but I think it's, like, it could be ours unless, like, they want to join and we just have to accept that in some way. 
on the topic of blackish, this was a couple of weeks ago that it was me, Cielo, and a bunch of our friends watched together. It was taught on the topic of, of, I think it was the daughter and the grandmother, that they were made fun of in their childhood, childhood because they were light-skinned. And the grandmother was telling her that it really doesn't matter if you're a light-skinned, because on the inside, you know what you are. I want to add on to that, but what I meant by, like, our music, I didn't mean it that way. I mean, like, if in the song it talks about the struggles our ancestors have went through, we've went through, or, like, what people of color have gone through, that's what I meant by our music. I didn't mean, like, the other thing. So when they try and, like, say something on it or try to say something negative on it, it's kind of like you've never been in our shoes. So why do you got to say on how we're supposed to feel? I mean, yeah, I definitely know what you meant by saying that. I just didn't know, like, I was just thinking, because, like, we're going to be on a podcast, so they might not have known what you were thinking about oh. that. So I just wanted to make that clear on, like, what you were saying. So that was, like, something they could have been thinking. But I just wanted mm-hmm. to make it clear, because I definitely understood what you were trying to say. But in that thought as well, both of you brought really important, really important things. Because the original idea about referring to our music is talking about our music as our message, our voice, our experience. But at the same time, when you refer to our music as my creation, my inspiration to say a message or to make it in a specific style, genre, rhythm, sounds. That is also another important thing because now we can extend it to the cultural appropriation that happens so often when just for the fact of, I want to be cool, I want to be rad. I don't even know where this music comes from, but I'm going to use it because, yeah, why not? And I have the, the, the means to make it happen. And that, again, brings up how much of ignorance and and lack of respect to the origins of a cultural expression that, in this case, represented as music, can become from a message and a meaningful way of representing a culture or an identity, then it just becomes a product for consumption and, like I said, lack of respect for it. And we hear it even from people of color making cheap music, utilizing good work made by people of color as well. So this actually extends to to our own. That just keeps me thinking uh, what you were saying about we have to learn. There is a lot to learn. Um, yeah, adding on, like, um, hopefully this is going to be the generation that stops. I know that all racism is not like not all racism is not gonna stop. It's not ever gonna be a utopian society, but we're gonna be a generation that makes the most change, hopefully, and makes the world a better place. Hi, I'm gonna just say something right now. I'm a brutally honest person, so like, I'm gonna tell the truth, and like, it's gonna be the truth that you don't want to hear. So like. Racism is like not 
ever gonna stop because it's just gonna keep going and they're just gonna keep adding layers onto it, whether it's the media, it's the government, whoever it is, eventually it's gonna, it's not gonna be like slavery, but they're gonna sugarcoat it. Like, um, what's one good example? Like the police shootings. Mm -hmm. That, you don't, you didn't hear about that. Like, you didn't hear about sheriffs shooting slaves. You heard about masters beating slaves. Like mm -hmm. officer and overseer, those, those kind of sound the same, do they not? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's never gonna stop. Like, mm -hmm. I, I hate to bring it up, but like, it's not stopping. I mean, we can try to like, we have to keep fighting. I don't think we should ever lose hope, but like, that's just the honest truth. It's not gonna be as severe as it is in like 100 years. It's not gonna be as severe as yeah. it is now, but like, people are still gonna think about racism. Yeah, like, that's all I was trying to say. Like, hopefully we can make it not as severe and just like, make everything better in general of that topic that you were talking about. Like, it's good to come to that reality and be totally honest. So, I'll thank you for that. What I wanted to say was, you never see in the news a person got shot, a man got shot, or a woman got shot holding a briefcase, and, oh, they thought it was a gun. No. You always hear someone had a hoodie on, and they were in the hood, and they had something in the pocket, oh, and they thought it was a gun. Do you see how, like, you're the two different things are how people see it. And I'm not saying, oh, people, they, cops should go, go shooting white people with briefcases. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is the stereotypes and how officers see it. They don't automatically think, oh, that person with a briefcase, he's gonna shoot someone. But they see a person with a hoodie in the hood and they be like, oh, that person's gonna shoot someone. So I feel like, why does it even have to come to the extent where the officers have to base someone based on how they're dressed? or based on what they're carrying. If you don't see the gun physically, then how do you automatically suspect it is a gun if somebody's just walking? And you don't always have to come up to the person with the gun. The officer could have been like, hey, yo, buddy, you all right or something? They could have said something, but no, they had to like take it to the extreme where they had to gun somebody down. Um. Well, what people have to do is stay positive and never give up. Yeah. Adding on to like what my sister was saying, it's like it's not only in like movies or books like the hate you give that's happening. It's happening in real life. Some people just get killed. Um, the cops think like an iPhone is a gun. And also, um, it was I was watching the movie The Hate You Give and it was Star that asked I think it was her uncle, like, if it was a black person what would you do? and he said he would shoot. But if it was a white person, he said he would tell him to put the gun down. And it was, the uncle was a colored person himself. So that really brought me to the conclusion is like, does like colored people go against their own race as well? Like not like go against, but um, it's hard to explain. But hopefully you guys know what I'm trying to explain. Actually, you're correct. It's uh, going against going against your own, and as a consequence of how yeah. racism has been infused in our way of thinking all over all over the place. So, at some point, if we if we 
get to be a little bit uh, paranoid about it, feels like sometimes a white supremacist, that's what they want us to do. Um, so, like, another thing I took away from the keynote today, I'm going to just use it as an example of what we're talking about. So, as what Jay-Z said, when, if you have, like, a hoodie on and you're in the hood, quote-unquote, then you're suspected to be doing something wrong. But if you're, like, in a suit with a briefcase, then you're not suspected to be doing something wrong. But, like, the media, you never really see, like, advertisements for, like, a briefcase as you do for, like, a hoodie and clothing and stuff that people have been getting shot for. There's always candy commercials. Kids have been getting shot just for holding a thing of candy, and people think it's a gun. I mean, yeah, you see, like, Josephine Bank and, like, Men's Warehouse for, like, suits, but they never show, like, briefcases and stuff, and stuff that's, like, unexpected for you to be, like, thought as a gun. So, like, Skittles, I know, has been, like, found. Like, I see a lot of commercials for that, and, like, the box itself, how it's, like, the same size, I don't know, it's, like, a handgun. Never really seen one in real life. Don't want to. But, like, they, I feel like they manufacture it away so that just keeps on happening. But, like, when they say it, like, in the news, man gets killed over a box of Skittles. Oh, man, I wish I had some Skittles. Like, sometimes that's the first thing people think about and not even hearing, like, the real story. So that's just, like, one thing about, like, materialism that I took from the keynote today. Yeah, and adding on to what he said, like, even though, like, it happens on the news, like, it happens to a lot of people every day. Thousands get killed a year by these shootings and police brutality, and that's what needs to stop. Certainly there's plenty of different examples and topics around this whole situation. Everything at the end is about Black Lives Matter. This is the first of what I feel is going to be several conversations led by our youth because those are the voices that are seeing this. Those are the young minds that are being educated on everything that is happening in our world. What is what we are teaching them? Yes, I'm asking you again, adults, what are we teaching them? Because it's them who decided to be here to join and be part of this activity, where it was, in its majority, teenagers who cared about what's going on in their schools, in their communities, in the society in general. And rarely they get the chance to talk about this and to be heard. And that's why we're doing this. So you better listen. Any last remarks you would like to make? So I wanted to say that, like, just for, like, a social experiment, in my school, I'm not going to say which school, but, like, in my school, everyone seems like they're moping around. Yeah, you hear some kids, like, laugh and stuff. But, like, are they really happy to be in school? But, like, honestly, I feel like it's the media just, like, on the news, you never really hear about like, oh, a flash mob happened today and this person felt great. No, you usually hear like, oh, this shooting happened. Oh, head found in river. Like, no one really wants to hear that after everything they've been through in a day. You could be having a great day and then just all this negative stuff goes over you. But um, I feel like it's also like phones and stuff. Cause like my mom took away my phone and like now I'm just realizing like, 
how much I was on it and like not paying attention to like what's going around. So like just for like a social experiment, like take it away for a week. I mean, I went through withdrawal and like your kids might go through it too. But like if they see like how much time they were using it, then they're probably gonna be like, wow, what have I been missing? And then like from that point on, they're probably gonna use it less and be like, oh, can I go outside and hang out with my friends? And it's just gonna keep going from there. What I wanted to say is not only teens should do this, but also adults. And I want to see people make the change, and I want to see more people come to make a change. So I want everyone to just spread positivity, spread love, be aware, do your research, and let's all just make a change. People should not just should not be going out, walking in the streets, thinking that like they're going to get killed and stuff. And people should be like, judged equally. Um, just one more thing I wanted to say, adding on to what Jay Lee said. Um, not only should it be teens and adults, I feel like it should also be younger children. And like the earlier you expose that to like your infants and stuff, so they already grow up knowing like what's going on in this world and how it's kind of like messed up. So like once they know they're growing up in that world, like my mom did, she started me doing this like when I was like five or something. But like, if you just like teach them about that stuff young, then they'll be able to understand and take more in at like a teenager's age. And then when they grow up, they're gonna be a very mature adult. Yeah, like you were saying, you gotta teach them early so they could be ready for the future and how it's gonna conclude out. And also, I want to conclude this conversation by thanking a couple of people. I want to thank my parents for all they've done in helping me to get to this point and having them teach me early so I could be mature as I am now. I would also like to thank Marcielo's mom and one of my teachers, Stasia, because they have led me through social justice, human rights, and Black Lives Matter, and yeah. Uh, following in suit to what Jaden just said, um, I would like to thank my parents for making me in general. I very much want to thank my mom for bringing me here, teaching me so much about Black Lives Matter and how like I shouldn't be ashamed of where I come from. I also want to thank Stasia, who is me and Jaden's teacher, and I think Jaylee's too. Um, of like just exposing everything that's going on in this world and like showing us like what we what we can do about it and not what we should do. So like it's it's your choice. I want to thank all my friends and family for supporting me. I want to thank the Am Fam, Phoenix, Rostar, Onyx, Inai, Soldier, Ten Blessed, Nancita, all the Ferreras. Um, I also want to thank. My father, who's in New York, and my father, who's in Florida, who have just helped me a lot when I get through stuff. I also want to take a shout out to anyone I missed. So, yeah. Don't be depressed. You're one of a kind and smile more. These are the voices of our youth in Black Lives Matter at school. There is not so much that I can add. Only to continue providing the space for these voices and this bright minds to continue expressing and for you to keep listening so we can together 
find ways to improve our lives. From the Gandhara Youth Development Center in Holek, Massachusetts, I'm Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>